This is a very special show. During the last 20 minutes, the interview was flipped and I got put in the hot seat to talk about our Bible app. <laughs> Many of you have been writing about it and asking about it. Um, and the good news is we finally have a launch date, which is January 18th. Uh, so remember, keep writing your devotionals, keep checking out the merch, and above all, keep us in your prayers. Thanks, kids. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today I interview Matthew Blake, or as I like to call him, Mr. Heathen. (laughs) Because he's the host of his own podcast that's actually called Heathen. He's on the other side of Christianity, the outskirts filled with mysticism and spirituality and, well, questions. Somehow, out of a religious upbringing, he found himself there. And instead of running scared, he's setting up camp and interviewing the natives. Ugh, I love this man. Let's start the show. Um, yeah, so I, I guess we just met in the most random way. I guess actually most people, a lot of people will meet on social media these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was Instagram, right? That was Instagram. Instagram. Um, and I just got interested in your title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, uh, well that came from my mom actually. No way. Um, I mean, not intentionally, not, not, it's not like she suggested it, but it's just, it was her phrase growing up um, that she would just kind of say anytime that we were being, like me and my siblings were being naughty or bad or whatever, she, you know, she'd just kind of roll her eyes and say, ugh, heathens. And uh, <laughs> it's just like the thing she's always said my whole life. So when I finally decided I want to wanted to you know have have some conversations around the spiritual journey away yeah. from uh where i grew up it seemed it seemed appropriate that's the first thing that popped into your mind was yeah. <laughs> i got yeah. this unlocked i know what to do yeah i'm a heathen yeah <laughs> you know what so am i though i am definitely definitely a heathen so i'll fly under that flag or that flag uh, will fly i over love me. it <laughs> yeah I love it. Reclaiming the, the heathen title. Well, uh, how does it feel now to be the one getting interviewed? A little, a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, and it's interesting because it's like, I mean, I've, I've listened to your podcast now, several episodes and you've Thank got you. like legit people on there who are doing like movements and, you know, viral yeah. hashtags and things like that. And I'm just there like, Oh, I'm just, I'm out here in the corner of the country, just like trying to work out my shit. <laughs> I mean, where are you now? But yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I'm down for it. I'm in San Diego. Okay. Well, no, you're in freaking California. There's what started this whole journey, this whole like, you know, transformation um, out of what seems to be a bit more of a conservative faith into just kind Mm -hmm. of like, what the fuck is going on, guys? Um, And trying to nail down some of those, those questions, those answers to questions that you've been having. Yeah. Boy, um, 
I, I guess it, it would have to, I would have to say that it did start coming out of that super uh, evangelical fundamentalist um, space. Cause I'm from North Carolina. That's where I was born and raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the family was uber church going, uh, uber moral, uh, very, very concerned with, you know, how, how it appeared, how everything appeared and were we doing all the right things and checking off the right boxes. So that was my concern. Mm -hmm. That was my concern. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I knew super early on that something was queer, (laughs) something was off with me, um, (laughs) in, in relation to everyone around me. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was, it was just the thing I, I suppressed until it became its own little compartmentalized, you know, pocket of my life that I could no longer, I couldn't balance both anymore. I didn't like being two people. Um, so, you know, I kind of, kind of came out to a few people in college, but it's that, it's the kind of coming out where you're like, well, I struggle with same-sex attraction, you know, like, <laughs> um, oh my God, the language. Yeah. Oh, the you language have to you use such, such specific language to make sure that you're oh. perceived as, you know, you can't just say I'm gay, like, yeah. cause that conveys a whole world of information. Yeah. Um, so for a long time, it was that, you know, and I, I stayed in my, my church circles, my Christian circles. I've, I've been a worship leader, like my whole life, pretty much since high school. And Oh, really? Um, like music? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Me too. High five. Hey, hey. Virtual high five. I love it. We can jam um, sometime. <laughs> yes. Oh, when I, when I come out to Philly, right? Let's do yes. that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I like I, the church was everything. It was my world. And I, I, I worked for a church. I, I moved out to Nevada for a while before coming down here. I worked for a church up there. And then wh- the reason I moved to San Diego was actually to plant a church. Um, and so I came with a small team and we, at that time I was pretty much, I, I had kind of come out on the broader scale, but still with that language of, you know, I'm, I'm same sex attracted, but I'm, I'm single and celibate. Like that was my, oh yeah my very public commitment, but not which practicing. is, yeah, not, not, I'm not practicing homosexual. I'm not practicing yeah. at it. I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm um, a pro. I don't need to practice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and that was for a long time. That was my the space I kind of inhabited was just hanging out in a church where, um, you know, I was on a journey. Um, that whole period of time it was about five years that I was with this church, and I was on a journey, and it was what I felt like was a journey that a lot of us were on together, mm-hmm. um, including including the pastors who were my best friends and um so when it when it finally came down to it and I I had done the work of um you know looking into the bible what does the bible really say and and read a lot of the work from from uh queer theologians and that sort of thing and I was like okay like I'm I can I can be gay that is a thing I can do and I can also be be the Christian that I've always been Wow. So it um, wasn't until you understood it for yourself in biblical terms that you let yourself kind of go. Yeah. That is yeah. that's incredible. That's the you're the first person I've heard actually say that. Huh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Everybody always has lets their either like their carnal desires or 
I don't know. Life catches up with people a lot faster, it seems, than their um, willingness or desire or need to uh, ground it in in um, biblical understanding, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I do. I do understand that. Yeah, so many of people I know just they were much more willing to like they I, they felt more comfortable moving into a queer space or than they I just have, fell in love you know yeah or that that happened yeah and i think i did too it's just that the people i fell in love with were like straight dudes <laughs> <laughs> like your best friends <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> so i was just you know. talking to this chick antonio we were commiserating about how we had to go back and reframe all of our you know friendships that seem to be a lot more clingy on our side you know mm -hmm. like in college and in high school yeah yeah um, yeah uh yeah I, there's some of that i haven't done that i actually would love to do one day just have that conversation figure You've done out a lot come on <laughs> so far i mean being able to contextualize the bible uh for your life that's pretty that's that's a lot of work yeah well and that's it's interesting because once i had done that um I mean, I, I got to the point where I was able to look at, you know, what what they call the clobber passages, right? And mm -hmm. and accept that these had these specific passages had been misused and abused and misinterpreted. Um, but it was it was actually so it was actually coming out to the point of like saying I'm going to date now, like I have I, I'm I'm dating okay. men, uh, and that was what kind of kicked off the sequence of events that sent me away from the church for a period yeah um and it, wow. you know it, it got me essentially fired i i ultimately i was the one who just kind of voluntarily stepped down from the church i had helped start um where was this how old this you? this was here in san diego and it was okay. in 2010 um and uh yeah so how old was i then that what is it now 2000 i would have been 20 late 20s eight mm. um <clears throat> yeah so you know i mean it took it took that long for me to like <laughs> i yeah i didn't have yeah that it, made it, took it a long harder time for, me to, for you being in a relationship made it harder for you to be in that church was the church um anti-gay mm, i mean I, I guess by definition you have to call some of the people anti-gay because they were not comfortable with me being in uh, like that position of leadership. So, so I, I stepped down. I, you know, I was no longer standing behind the guitar in front of people. My heart I, barfs I, for you. It's just yeah. so annoying. It is. It's super annoying. Um, but I stayed there for like seven months after that, just as like a butt in a seat, which yeah. is something I don't do. Like I'm, I, yeah. I, I'm not a participant. I'm like, I got to do, I have to be active with the stuff I'm involved in. Your butt and, was in mourning. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was in the morning. Um, and it was after seven months of kind of sitting there that I was like, oh, like this isn't actually, like these folks aren't going to move anywhere uh, in, in without somebody else, you know, driving driving the, the car. And I was no longer, you know, willing to drive that particular car because I had been so yeah. hurt there. Mm -hmm. So that was when I finally was like, okay, peace yeah. out. I can, I can cut the ties. I can bury this. I can move on. Yeah. Yeah, and I had a new relationship, so that's where I just kind of shifted all my focus. And, yeah. uh, so yeah. they really did, like, 
I don't, it sounds like it, I'm trying to come up with a metaphor where, you know, you had like this, this giant, um, like beating, like blood vessel, just like linking you to this church. And what they essentially did was just like cut it off and just like mm. strangle the life out of it and amputate it so that, you know, you, you had, you had no way of connecting with them anymore. Wow. Uh, can I take that into therapy with me? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, li I'm literally just now, like this year, starting to actually process some of that stuff because I did just, I shifted my focus so quickly and abruptly and just kind of corked it yeah. um, that that I uh, I had other things to focus on and I just stayed busy elsewhere. And so I, I just let that kind of fall away and, and haven't talked to so many of those people ever since. So that is, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mm. it was, it was a severing of an artery, like a lifeline, life, lifeblood that was totally cut off there. So Ugh. what did you, what did you do with, um, your phantom limb? Because the yeah. feelings are still there, right? Like this oh, desire yeah. for music <laughs> and singing and praising and being in community with other people and, you know, and, and, but you know, there isn't, you know, a way to connect. So like, what, what do you do? Yeah. Well, at the time I had moved to St. Louis because my, my partner at the time was in grad school. So it was, it was like an even probably a bigger severing than just the church because mm. my whole life got removed I and I was, see. yeah, I was in a place where there was just nothing for a good, a good little period. Mm. And, um, I mean, we, we went to a couple churches out there, um, and I actually ended up working. It, it, it's funny, like, you can't ever, like, fully disconnect from the church, right? Like, you, you no. just, it's, it's always there in some way, shape, or form. I call it like, a phantom limb. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, the only job I was able to get there in St. Louis, I applied to every nonprofit I could find, mm -hmm. and the only job I could get was at a Methodist church as their their communications person. Yeah. Um, and I was a little bitter about that at first, but it was also, <laughs> like, they were such cool people, like, really, I, I, had, I didn't have any... Uh, I had never been, you know, I didn't know anything about Methodism. Um, so I worked there and, and kind of halfway attended. Um, I was still pretty sore. Um, oh. And then and then once that relationship ended, I hightailed it back to San Diego because this is where my people were. And, um, and right at the time I was, I moved back here, uh, I had some other friends from another church here in San Diego that were starting a new thing, um, a new church. And I... I, when I came back, I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be my period when I'm not tethered to church in any way, shape, or form. There's nobody, like, looking over my shoulder. I want to know what life is like without this connection, you know, without without that. Like, I, I want to forge connection elsewhere. Oh. And um, and then I didn't I <laughs> because my friends were starting a church. And uh, so I... I and, and these are good people uh, and folks that I implicitly trusted. And so I started kind of coming and it wasn't too long before they asked me to you know, help out with music here and there. And I was very tentative at first. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll give you like once a month uh, kind of thing. And it was a good um, slow like process coming back to a church community. Oh. Um, and and I, I needed that. And now I'm there pretty much every week, and I help out with the music as much as I can. Oh, um, you're so lucky. Yeah, I am lucky. I, and I know that it's such a rare thing because this particular church is, I, I mean, I do call it the unicorn because I haven't ever experienced um, the fully affirming, uh, you know, participate at every level 
kind of thing um, yeah. that we have now. So, and I know there's not a lot of that spread across the country. Um, but what's interesting for me in, in that space too, at the same time as I was, you know, coming back, I was also like moving away, I think, um, theologically and, uh, so, so like the last time I read the Bible <laughs> was, was back, back in 2010 when I was kind of, I, I had told my grandparents that I'm going to start dating now and I'm going to start dating men. And that was a really hard conversation. Um, and my, you know, Papa, of course, pulled out the Bible and that was his first go-to. And he just asked me, he's like, have, you know, what, what do you feel about this thing? What do you feel about this book? And so out of that conversation, I committed to reading the Bible cover to cover, which I had never done. You know, like I covered it all, I'm sure, in one shape, one way, shape, or form, but I had never sat down and just read the thing cover to cover as its own document. And it was that process of reading oh. it front cover to back. Cover to cover. Yeah, that, um, that's what ultimately kind of... I walked away from that experience feeling that the Bible was not what it had been presented to me as being. Yeah. Uh, like it was not uh, a holy document. It wasn't a document that uh, was inspired uh, fully. Uh, um, you know, all the all the I words, the inerrant, infallible, like that 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 kind of stuff all fell to the wayside for me at that time. And um, so I kind of when I was coming back to church, I was coming back to it as somebody who valued the community and valued the um, some of the practice and certainly the music being a, like the biggest part of that for me. Um, but I didn't feel connected to the, I mean, the heartbeat of it, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, at, at one point in that first year of coming back to my church here, the, the, uh, the pastor had asked me to do my, we do faith formation stories, um, talking about how you got to where you are. Every once in a while, somebody will share their story, and I got asked to do that. And, um, like, I just remember how clammy and, like, freaked out I was at that. Um, but I, I kind of held true to where to what, what was true for me, uh, which was that I'm not a Christian. And I, you know, got up there and said that in front of people who, like, who I was, quote unquote, leading in worship, which I hate that term because I don't even, like, worship isn't even what it's about for me anymore. Um, but uh, that was, it was a really scary moment. But um, again, I, it's the unicorn church I'm at right now because yeah. the em embracing and the welcoming and the, like, the ICU uh that happened yeah. in the aftermath of that was so powerful and, and yeah, uh, transformative. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that, um, I'm just thinking about, uh, two guests that we had recently, um, Tuhina and Jason Chestnut who did the, yeah, yeah shut the hell up for Advent. Yeah. And their, their story was they got up basically together at their general conference at a Lutheran church and said, you know, this in so many words, this church is hella white. <laughs> we mm. we need to we need to change, you know? Mm -hmm. And their response from that converse from that congregation was just stone silence, you know? And just like the drastic difference between that kind of organized 
church environment versus mm-hmm. what it seems like for you is more of a, 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 a body of believers actually coming together to open heart and commune with one another, you know? Yeah, Where, and a, bo- a body of unbelievers, too. Like, that was okay. what was yeah. that was what changed it for there me. I go. was just like, oh, oh yes, the snaps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it was that the, being able to call myself that in the middle of a space that was comfortable for me, because that's what I had grown up in, and it's the language I spoke. And um, But being able to be honest, really, truly honest about who I was in that space, I mean, that is a powerful thing. Absolutely. So what does the word Christian mean for you? If you can still go to church and still um, be on this journey where you're searching, what, what does, you say you're not a Christian, what does that mean? I know, right? Well, that's, yeah. well, <laughs> that is the question. And it's the whole, I mean, it's why I'm doing these conversations on heathen um, too, is because I think for so long I was able to define myself by what I'm not. Um, by saying, you know, saying what I don't believe. Um, but when I get that question of, well, what do you believe? What is it for you? Um, man, that is so much harder to answer. Um, and I, and I, it, the best I could do for so long was just this vague, like, well, you know, it's the community and it's the relationships and just being connected to each other. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's probably still the best, the very best I can do because mm. I, I, my, my resistance to Christian still comes from the fact that, well, I think it's, it's, there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, certainly one layer is just what it means to be Christian in America today. Like I want zero part of, <laughs> oh. uh, you know, evangelicalism in America today. Um, mm. Part of but, it is, so what you're saying is part of it is that the word itself is just so adulterated and soiled and, you know, warped in a way that it doesn't really define how we, how we as, as, um, I guess, holy or spiritual people are living our lives. Yeah. 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 It, it does. And that's the betrayal, I think, I feel, and I think so many people feel is that we were taught and told like it is holiness that matters it is like this moral life that matters and to see what's being endorsed now it's like you guys lied to me (laughs) yeah i think i could change my podcast to to hashtag betrayal and it would i think it would be better (laughs) Uh, well hopefully for not for long right like that's the uh, the goal, I think, for so what so many people like you and and so many people are doing is to like let's reclaim this thing, like let's, let's make this, it. yeah, make this the faith of of really of the people. Like, what are you hearing? What are you? What are your? What are some of the realizations that your conversations on Heathen the podcast have brought to you? Mm. Um, I have been surprised to see how many people still who've kind of been on this similar journey um like they they still do come back to jesus and he still is this person that they can connect to Mm -hmm. um which was it's one of the things that for me like i look at jesus and i'm like okay cool cool guy uh good stuff 
um, but maybe not special, like maybe not as special as we all think. Um, like, couldn't we just find a lot of this stuff elsewhere too? Like, why? What is it about Jesus? <laughs> um, and and mm-hmm. for so many for so many people, there there still is something there, like something very significant and real about that person. Um, and I would say that that is something that I'm just right in the middle of, like just right in the middle of trying to figure out what is it, what is it about Jesus? Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it is, uh, being able to trust myself with the material too, right? Like I, I because I know what I've done in, in my past lives, um, to just be so blindly um, accepting of what was handed to me, what I inherited, um, and to like carry that for so long and really wave a banner uh, that does real damage and real harm to people. Um, and you know, I was part of it. I was part of that system for so long. So it's like hard for me to trust myself with with the material again. Um, but how can you, how can you blame yourself for, um, because what I think is true is that you are innocent until you see the wrong that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were kind of, um, graft into this system that was already there and were a sheep for yeah. that time, and when it came to your knowledge that there was a separation between their truth and the moral truth of the world, you you made you left, right? Yeah. So how is that? How is that fault? my fault? Because <laughs> um, that's assuming a lot of responsibility. Like that's something that you know you'll never be able to. We, I mean, overcome if it's if it's that heavy and that weighted. Yeah, uh, you make really awesome points, and I don't know that I have anything to say back to that. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I think maybe I pointed it out for you, but I know that there's things that, like, I want to say the universal you or we all do, you know, where yeah. we blame ourselves for uh, the sins of our predecessors. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of that that I, I struggle with, dealing with what I know, what, where I come from, what I know that people in my past and in my family still believe and still do. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of hang-ups there. Um, but, I mean, it's... I think, uh, at the very least, at the intellectual level, I think I know, <laughs> uh, and it's moving to to the heart. Um, but I know that it's not. I, I I can't blame myself for what I was, as you said, grafted into, um, and it is what we do with it now. And that's I'm I, I'm that's what I'm in the middle of. I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I, I I couldn't. It wasn't enough for me even to just like go to church and be a part of this. 
community of people. Well, yeah, what I'm what I'm doing now with Heathen is, um, I think what I had delayed for so long was the actual, like the deconstruction, and then well, not all the deconstruction. I had definitely done a lot of that, but um, but the what now? Like that's what I had delayed for so long, um, and that's what Heathen is for me. It's. Mm-hmm. It's I'm I'm such a verbal processor and like even some of the stuff you've said right now like until I hear it out loud I'm like oh okay <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why we uh, do this yeah it is like I don't I can't I can't come to truth sometimes without working it out verbally with people and um, I mean podcasts are such a great forum for that they truly are yeah and I guess that's why your oh, podcast yeah. is so important. Yeah, yeah, it has been important for me. Uh, um, and, I, and it's just, I mean, honestly, it's just, I sat down one day and I was like, you know what, I've collected all of these relationships over the years with church people, yeah. and half of them, you know, have been on this same journey and aren't, you know, just in a million different places, but on a similar journey. So I was like, what would it be like to just sit down and talk with folks about their exit from the church or, or just their transition to what, whatever it is that they're in now. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, because I'm a verbal processor and I need to hear what other people have done. So <laughs> it, I guess it, the people that you've interviewed, like you're really interested in their perspectives. Yeah. Super interested. Where do you find them? Um, I started with just my closest friends. My, the very first episode is one of, is a very close friend. And I was just like, I need somebody to like, go easy on me and (laughs) (laughs) help me figure out what it, what it is to just like have a semi public conversation. I mean, not even semi, it is a public conversation, but um, so I started from there and, um, and then people are out there, you know, like people are out there looking for these kinds of conversations. It's crazy because I've just had random folks um, say hello and, and want to contribute or want to talk or sit down. So, um, it's still, I mean, the episodes that are out there right now, I think, are mostly people that I have known in some capacity, although there's been a couple people where it's been, like, yeah, just a, an acquaintance. But uh, there's some coming up that, yeah, are just, gonna, like, sitting down with people I don't know, which is really cool, too, because that's a whole different kind of conversation, yeah. It's quite a lot to navigate. <laughs> it is, and you do it on the regular, so. <laughs> now I am. I've taken large breaks, you know, yeah. just because... Um, podcasting is a lot of work. It sure is. Yeah, a lot more than I think I anticipated, but but uh, worth it. What a great place to pause, right? <laughs> um, we actually have to pay some bills. Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by Noelle Hair, managing the many textures of you one natural drop at a time. Noelle is superfood for your hair, and I actually use it for my natural curls every time I get out of the shower. It locks in moisture and actually feeds my hair the foods it's not getting from other products like mousse and hair gel. I actually find that I use less of that stuff now that I'm using Noelle. Just a few pumps will do. So check it out at noellehair.com and get your free shipping today. Visit noellehair.com. That's N-U-E-L-E hair.com for superfood for your hair. So I wanted to ask how um, this uh, gradual change in your life has affected the way that you view and see and have even sex. Mm. 
Yeah. Sex is fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I, snaps to that. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I did not. I didn't. I, I was a virgin until I was 31, 32, 31 or 32, um, which I mean, that. thank you, purity culture. And thank you. Um, homophobia uh and my own internalized homophobia too uh for that one but um yeah uh well i mean first of all it was just so it's just not something that there was an outlet to talk about anywhere like even our sex ed class in school i went to a christian high school and middle school um even sex ed class there was so broad stroke mechanical uh-huh. and, and, and abstinence only. Uh-huh. And there was no, there was no preparation for, okay, well when you eventually do have sex, like, so it's just was this mysterious world for so long. Um, yeah. And scary, you know, yeah. mysterious and scary. So it was like something I didn't even want to go near really. Yeah. Um, now that I look back, um, because I also started having sex in my twenties and now that I look back and like, Oh, I'll just watch a, a movie where there's like teenagers experiencing sex. Um, and I'm just like, I wonder if I were aware of my orientation or even just like what my sexuality was back then, would mm. I have, would I have been somebody who needed to have sex at um, an early age, like teen or preteen. And I, I think resoundingly, constantly, the answer is um, no, I don't think that I would have been capable of having sex, you know, that early. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, because it was so um, compartmentalized in other for me, it was, it just wasn't even a, an option really in my mind or, or a question. But I think if I had been, if it, if I, if it, if it had been a common thing, like and accepted and, you know, I had some knowledge around it at that age, I, I, I think I would have been the same. I think there was plenty of other stuff going on that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have needed it at that point. Do you like, think, in my, sorry, no, you go ahead. Do you think that, um, Christianity and the way they compartmentalize gender roles and everything just like made it so far out of reach. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, I think one of my biggest fears around it was that I was going to have to do it with a woman one day, right? (laughs) I'm going to have, I'm going to have to be prepared to be a dad to father children. Like that was, that was the purpose of it, you know? Uh, And, um, knowing what I knew about myself at a very young age, like it was just, okay, well let's delay this as long as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, like the compartmentalizing of, of gender roles and what I was supposed to do as a person with a penis in yeah. the church, like um, made it completely inaccessible and, and difficult. And then, oh. yeah, difficult to come back from because once I started having sex, I had, I had my, um, sexual walkabout like a year like I had just a year of, of ho phase try- yeah basically <laughs> let's figure this shit out um, 
and it was so, oh my god the 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 swinging from like ecstasy to guilt during that period it, it was just like Ugh. yes insane oh my it's, goodness it's such a mental challenge an emotional yeah. challenge yeah um because you have like all of the rhetoric just like like filtering through your brain right mm-hmm. um yeah i had i had a friend who like uh i would go out with and like just to hang out um she was a really good friend and um whenever i would start you know going over that stuff she would just be like shut up <laughs> just be quiet like it means nothing it's not it's not the same as an experience you know and then learning yeah. from that experience like all of that rhetoric means nothing unless you're it's it's actually applicable which it wasn't um yeah yeah oh wow it is it's it it's nothing and it's everything like it it truly is completely useless <laughs> Yeah. But then it, it it's a it's a wall that you have to climb mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna get to the other side, um, man. It, it it's still like to this day it's still something that I think I have to like be conscious of what's going on in the back of my head, um, and making sure making sure that I'm like present and you know there for the for my partner like mm-hmm. like it's 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 a challenge. Have you found it difficult to date people who um, who aren't Christian? Um, well, that's the that's what I'm in right now. I'm, I'm, I just celebrated three years actually with my boyfriend, and um, congratulations! <laughs> thank you. Uh, he's he's super mystified <laughs> by my up my upbringing. <laughs> Um, he, he, he listens to heathen and he's just like, I like what? Like, yeah, this is, this is just worlds away from, uh, from what he was brought up in. Um, so yes, I would say it's been challenging. Uh, it's also been like the best journey ever to be on, um, because to realize that the whole unequally yoked thing is also its own, um, you know, line of BS. Um, yeah, uh, I love like being with somebody who doesn't have the same hangups that I do. Mm. Um, and we all have our own, right? But his are different than mine. Um, and so it's really nice to be able to walk through life with somebody who can point it out like just so quickly and so easily. Whereas I might sit in something for a month before I realize, oh, like that's what this is. He can just be like, oh, you know, this is bullshit from your upbringing. That so you- he calls you out, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does sometimes, gently. That's dope. <laughs> it is nice. It's Man. very nice. Um, and he's a spiritual person too, uh, but just a different, a different kind of spirituality. So it's that's another. It's it's great that we can connect on a spiritual level. What kind um, of spiritual person? Well, he like for a period of his upbringing, he was uh, self-described Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's he's just. I think he's just very much into the idea of energy and like he he likes tarot cards and mm-hmm. um crystals and um it's a very i think undefined like there's not a lot of definition around what god is for him yeah um so that's really cool and yeah. um about like our bible app this thing that i'm creating yes um, i am i'm terrified of it getting pigeonholed right back in that conservative space 
um, that we all journeyed from, you know, because it's yeah. a very dangerous space to be in. Yeah. And um, in order to do that, I think that I really need to include those Wiccan voices and those spirit-based mm. voices and those ones that are kind of on, like, the border of of any religion, you know, where there's just, there's mystics involved, there's mysticism in every religion. And, um, I think that it's an equilibrium, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the, um, the folks I had on my podcast recently talked about the mystic strain, um, through all of us. And, and that's kind of like, she had come out of a very fundamentalist evangelical, uh, background too. And now that's where she lives. And, it's really cool to see other people like embracing and living like holy and full, like whole full lives mm -hmm. in something that they've been able to identify in that manner. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's very hopeful, you know, it's like, Oh, like there's just, there's hope. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we, wherever we land um, with this stuff. But I, th so tell me just, I mean, and not to like, interview you on you your podcast <laughs> but i'm super but i'm super interested in like what you do have to say because i've only listened to a few episodes of lord have mercy so far and you've mentioned it here and there but i haven't heard yet exactly what you're doing with our bible app and because oh, i'm interested as someone mercy. who used to love the bible <laughs> right so we man it's a whole story we um started to get noticed um in like um, April, May last year and mm -hmm. started to have like all of these publications coming out about us. And at the time I was working with this, um, this app developing company in the UK and, um, they did a lot of work on the app and we thought, okay, we have a launch date and, um, we ran out of money <laughs> mm -hmm. right yeah. before we could launch. And it just kind of like, blew us out of the water. And by the time we could get our feet under us again, um, the app company had kind of moved on to a couple other projects. So we got back, we got put on the back burner. Um, mm. And then by the time the app was actually finished and I took a look at it and I like, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I paid for. And yeah. you did it. We did a bunch of beta testing and the feedback we got was exactly, you know, what, what I had seen. And so um, I talked to a couple of people on the team and we decided that it was a bad idea to launch something that we felt was this important half-assed. And so yeah. um, found a different developer instead of working with a company, started working with um, a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, really brought down the budget because we couldn't afford what we'd paid for before. Yes. Um, and started to just like, and like we had a, a retreat at um, my home office where, you know, I brought my guy from um, New York and my guy from Boston and another friend here in Philly. And we just sat in a room the entire day talking through the vision that we had, what we had received from the other app company and what mm. we actually wanted. And we yeah. drew pictures and we had some whiskey and, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we really just like thought about what it should be. And, um, we started to build it. And so we are so close, uh, to being finished and I really wanted it to be done this side of new year's, but it looks like we'll be launching the finished app with, 
the Bibles and the books and the chat area and the uh, giant spectrum of different devotionals uh, in January. I don't have a date yet. I don't yeah. have a date yet. I wish I had a date, but um, it's going to happen in the next in the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. <laughs> Dear God, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> Knock. Um, so content-wise, it, it it's like devotional content based on the Bible, but through voices that are not in like the mainstream so, evangelical or whatever. Yeah, so I guess the, the motive behind the Bible app was to, you know, just provide a place where people could have access to a bunch of different Bibles, right? So the Bibles are there, but then there's also um, books. And I discovered that there's a lot of people like you and like me and like our friends who are on the fringes of of Christianity who are writing content and creating content. But we, because we, we don't have like a common place to share that, like we don't even know about each other most of the time, right? Right. And so putting those books and that content on the app is what I wanted to do. Um, and then the devotionals are just like this this other thing where, you know, some of them are biblically based. The writers are writing from, you know, um, litur- liturgy or um, their own Bible knowledge. And then, and they're, you know, some of them are like full-fledged theologians mm-hmm. and reverends with their MDivs. Um, and some of them are... Uh, just people theologizing things from their personal lives. And instead of using like the Bible, they'll use a quote or an inspirational thought or whatever. Um, And I do have somebody who has submitted one or two things from the Wiccan perspective. And I'm so excited about her work, but you know, it's really hard to, to find that kind of content because Yeah. um, yeah. Anyway, I think for me, I just, I just want, I just want, I just want you, Matt, and I want me to be able to jump on an app and be able to, like, feed our feed our souls and ask those spiritual questions, and know that there's a community out there who is also doing the same thing. That's so rad. Wow. Wow. <laughs> if I can, I snap now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it too. You you should write something. I definitely want to put Heathen um, as one of the podcasts on there. Oh, thank you. That is incredible. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to submit something. Absolutely. Yeah. There's yeah, some. There's some. Anything. Yeah, definitely definite queer perspectives that we can take on a lot of a lot of the Bible. So yeah. Well, where can people find Heathen podcast? Um, right there at heathenpodcast.com. <laughs> um, try, try to make, try to make it easy. Um, it's, it's on all the platforms and everything too. And, um, like on social media, it's just at heathen podcast on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So okay. yeah. And, uh, what was my other question? Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you personally, how could they do that? Uh, ask heathen at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's so hard to find people's um, email addresses. Yeah, I and know. And what infuriates but- me the most is when you go to somebody's contact page, somebody that isn't even that important, and they won't have an email address, they'll just have a form. 
Right. I yeah. hate the form. Who, I know. who invented the form? <laughs> <laughs> I do I do have the form on my contact page, but I also have askheathen at gmail is listed right there too. So best way to do it. Best way to either, either way. in my corner. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I'm just not sure if you're ever gonna hear back from me because it just I goes know. into a yeah, uh, form, forms are what document. Yeah. Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by The Sorting Chat, <laughs> not hat. It's a newish podcast where three women talk minutia related to Harry Potter. They drink, they laugh, alongside occasional guest stars. Like any true literary lover would, they take J.K. Rowling's source material too seriously, but not so seriously that they can't make fun of themselves for it. They post on the Thursday, on the actually, sorry, they post on the first Thursday of each month and sometimes more. Visit thesortingchat.com. Ugh, my lord, and that's our show. If you want to find out more about me, Crystal Cheatham, you can hit me up at hi at crystalcheatham.com or on Twitter at Crystal Cheatham. I'll be at the Gay Christian Network conference in Denver uh, this January and at Creating Change in D.C. Um, and then I'm doing a talk at Vanderbilt Theological Seminary in Nashville. So if you want to find out more about those things, just hit me up. Um, and I can't wait to hear from y'all. Okay, bye! <laughs>